Amen. Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Thank you, Jesus. As I started off saying, things around us are changing so rapidly that we need to be on our best game to see what's going on around us so that we may know what to do as Jesus tarries. We don't know how long the Lord will be before he comes again, but we still have to live on this earth and we still have our lives to live until he returns. So we need to be mindful of what's going around, going on around us. How many here would like to know what's in your future? How many here would like to have an inkling for what's going to happen with me next week, next month, a year from now, five years from now? You know, how many million dollar bank accounts am I going to have? You know, all that sort of thing. Right. How many would like to know what the future holds? Many times we almost wish we knew the future for our lives. But God sternly, sternly warns us about trying to know things that are unknowable about our futures. Man has desired this knowledge for millennia. Going back to the beginning, man has always wanted to be able to prognosticate what the future holds for them. And as such, they've called upon animals and, 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 and uh, vegetables, trees, whatever they could think of to, to try and, and, and figure out what's in store for their lives. This has been something man has sought for millennia, but God has warned against it. And just, to, just for a moment, just to touch on this a bit, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. What is it that we should know about our futures? How can we determine what the future holds for us? Should we know? How do we go about living our lives until Jesus returns with all of the things that are going on out there? You hear so many conflicting reports, so many conflicting things concerning the word of God and what you should be doing. But let's start and see what God does not want us to do. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Okay. And this is where God is telling Israel how they should behave when they get to the promised land and so on. Verse number nine, chapter 18, verse number nine. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Please underline that. Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch. Please just put a bracket around number 10 there. There shall not be found among you, uh, uh, among you anyone that makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all, all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations, nations which thou shalt possess, hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God has not suffered thee to do so. So in other words, he has not allowed you to do so. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. Of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him you shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see his great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth. 
And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou and if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Please underline that. How shall we um, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not underline, if the thing follow not nor come to pass, underline, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken, but the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. Okay? So this whole chapter here, these verses I should say here, are talking about, first of all, we shall not be seeking diviners and people that dabble in, uh, you you know, reading your palm or uh, astrology in the newspaper and whatnot to figure out what's going going to be happening with us in the the future. It talks about here, you shall not be found among anyone that makes his son to go through, the daughter to pass through the fire. Actually, it's talking about the the god, the pagan god, uh, Moloch. Because they had a way of worshiping, they would actually burn children as a, as a sacrifice to divine the future, to figure out the future. And then God gives a list of all of those things that you should not be involved with. And he said, and do not be hearkened unto observers of times. But the whole thing with prophets here is that in moving forward, we have to be so careful uh, to whom we are listening. You, you, you know, um, be careful of hearing things that are prophecy that are, is not of God. That's what this is saying here, basically. All right. And you shall know the difference by those things that are prophesied that that do not come to pass. And obviously this is not of God. So, again, we're looking at here. How do we go go forward, Lord? Uh, Jesus is, is tarrying a while. How is it that we know what to do? You know, although we might not know the details of our lives to come, God also tells us that we must be prepared for things to come. We have to be prepared. We cannot just get up every single day just kind of just thinking, oh, well, this is another day. Let me just just trip and fall out of bed and get to work and just see whatever happens. We need to be prepared. So what is it that we must do to be prepared? The, The word of God here gives a very good example. Let's go to Matthew, to the book of Matthew. Okay. So God wouldn't be talking about these things if it was not possible for us as Christians to wind up being deceived and pulled away and start following what others are saying we should be doing or, or, or false prophecies and things like that. All right. So we need to be careful about that. So then we need to be prepared. So what does God mean about being prepared? Matthew 25, verse number one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Underline, please. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish, underline foolish, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Underline, took no oil with them. They that were foolish uh, had their lamps but took no oil with them. Now, what good is, is is a lamp without oil? But the wise took oil took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Underline that. The wise. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and go out ye and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil. For our lamps are gone out. Please underline. The foolish said unto the wise, give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. 
But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, underline, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Please underline 12. Verily, verily, but he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This is talking about preparation. The foolish ones, obviously, they were not prepared. They sat back and they slept. And when the time came, they had no oil in the lamp. Oil, as you know in, in, in Scripture, is, is, our, is a type of or can be synonymous with Holy Spirit. So we cannot be living our lives just day to day thinking, oh, well, I know Jesus is coming and I'll just kind of just sit back and coax along, you know, without being prepared or not having my lamp ready, not having the oil ready. But how many times do we do that? How many times do we get up in the morning and just go to work and drop the kids to school or whatever it is that we have to do? And we really don't think about uh, about our life in the Lord. What is this day in the Lord? Do you prepare your day every single day with saying, "Okay, Lord, praise God. Thank you for waking me up, first of all. And just spending a few moments in bed. You know, if you don't have time to, to just get up and actually get on your knees and pray, before you, before you get out of bed, before you put your foot on the floor, just, just lay there maybe and say, okay, Lord, what do you have in store for me today? What do I need to be prepared for? Okay? You do not know what's going to happen the minute you leave your door. The minute you get in that car and start driving down the road, you do not know. The minute you get to work or wherever it is that you're going, you do not know what's going to be, what's going to be before you. So we need to be prepared. We can't just be laying back. We can't always be just saying to God, now God is always faithful to, 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 to answer, but it can be very presumptuous of us to think that at the last minute when I need something, oh, I'm just going to go and just go to God and cry, oh, Father God, blah, 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 when you haven't been thinking about him all along. Okay, so we need to be prepared while we don't know what the, the future is going to have in store for us. And the word of God tells us very, very strongly in Deuteronomy. We just read that we're not to get into reading the astro- reading the, the uh, uh, astrology columns in the morning and all that sort of thing. We're not to get into to go into to our, um, our palm readers and things like that or reading tea leaves. We're not to do that. We're to trust and to be prepared that God is going to guide our lives. Okay, but we cannot be like these five virgins who were unwise, these fi- five virgins who were unwise wise and did not have their lamps ready by having the oil. You need to be ready every single day. You don't know when Jesus is coming. You don't know. You know, one of the most powerful Christian movies that I've seen. uh, And uh, what was it? The Rapture on Sunday or something like that was the title. And um, the rapture came, took place. People went up to the Lord. But the thing took place in a sanctuary, in a church. You'd be surprised how many people were left behind in the church, were left behind. Showed clothes on the floor and everything, those had been raptured away. Even one of the ministers was left behind, you see. So that's the foolishness where we go through life thinking, oh, yeah, the Lord comes, the Lord comes, I'll be raptured, I'll be saved. But what did Jesus say there? He says, watch, therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour when the Lord cometh. And he, he said, um, uh, uh, verse number 11, afterward came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. In other words, let us in. But by that time it was too late. He said, but he answered and said, verily I say unto you, I know you not. Okay. So don't be presumptuous thinking that you are working, walking so closely with God and that you're so in sync with him if you're not doing anything to prepare yourself, to really be prepared. Okay? 
All right. How are we supposed to know? How can I know when God is telling me to do something? All right. If you're saying to me, Pastor, that I need to be prepared to do what God wants me to know to do, then you say, well, how am I supposed to know that? Every single Christian, every single soul sitting in this sanctuary today has something that they're praying for. Every single person sitting here today has some aspiration, has some dream, has some desire. Every single person sitting here today has things that they need to do come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, into next month, into next week. Every single one of us has plans and aspirations. But how do we get there? Okay, every single one sitting here today should be thinking, Lord, I want to do that which you want me to do. Not what I want to do, but Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. If you've gotten to that place, and that's a whole sermon unto itself, have you gotten to the place where what you really want to do and only want to do is what God wants you to do? Or when God tells you to do something and you know in your spirit that God wants you to do that, that you resist because that's not really what you want to do. So once you've gotten to the place that, Lord God, I want to do what you want me to do and only what you want me to do, then, Lord, how do I know what you want me to do? How do I separate my wants, you know? It'd be a wonderful thing to think, well, gee whiz, you know, I, one, of my, one of my goals is to have a billion dollars in the bank, let's say, you know, and, and that's my will, that's my desire. But is that God's desire for you? You see? You see? You see? So, so, so how much is me and how much is really God? So how can I know when God is telling me to do something? Well, first of all, out the bat, right off the bat, we'll start really, really fundamentally here. First of all, pray, especially when you are unsure of God's will for your life. Or something that is in particular in your life. Something happening in your life. Ask God. Simple as that. So many times we forget. How many times do we go forward and make decisions and really, really don't pray about it? How many times? You know? It's so easy to get a phone call or something like that or get a letter in the mail where a decision has to be made. So many times it happens. But how many times do we, do we hesitate and say, well, let me, let me pray about it first? How many times when somebody is talking to you, trying to get you to do something, do you actually pray about it? You see, and the wonderful thing about God is, and you've heard me say this before, is that the wonderful thing about God is that when someone is saying something to you and there's an on the spot decision to be made that you don't have to say, hold it, pause, put it, put the, put the whole scene on fast freeze, jump down on your knee, run out to the car and get your Bible, jump down on one knee and start praying. You can say while you're talking to that person, you can say with your eyes wide open, you can say, Lord, help me. What should I say in making this decision? Should I even say to the person, well, I'm not going to answer you right now. Well, I need your answer right now, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to give you my answer right now. I need to pray about it. I need to think about it. I need to pray about it. And don't make that decision. The wonderful thing about the construct that God calls Christianity, true Christianity, meaning a follower of Christ, as, coined, uh, as, as, as the Apostle Paul coined. Okay, he was the one that came up with the word uh, 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 Christian, Christian, to be a Christian. But if you're really going to be a Christian, you don't have to stop Get down on one knee and close your eyes to pray. The only reason that we close our eyes when we pray is because eyes being open are a distraction. But that doesn't mean that with your eyes open you can't pray to God. You can hold eye contact with that person, look them in the face and sit while that person's talking and simply say, Lord, what shall I do? Give me the answer. You can pray to him. And he'll answer you. He'll answer you. You see, so we got to get in the habit that if we are going to succeed and if we're going to make it through this life um, as, as Jesus tarry, to learn how to pray to God in, on the on the spot, on the spur of the moment and also by design. Of course, it's always best to pray by design, to plan, to seek God's face, to go into a meeting. You ever have something in your life that's really heavy for you to decide on? Did you ever, you know, 
find yourself walking around the room. All I can do is speak for me. Kind of walking around the room and something's there. And I say, okay, Lord, I got to talk with you. I got to have a conversation with you. Simple as that. That's how awesome God is. You don't have to go into King James language. Oh, Heavenly Father, I need with thee a moment and so forth. You say, Lord, we got to talk about this. Something's on my mind. And you sit down and you pray and you tell God what's troubling you. You just lay it out in everyday terms. You talk to him the way you would talk to me or your husband, your husband or your wife. And you say, Lord, this is what's troubling me. I don't know what I should do. And I say to you today that you're going to have more and more of those moments. You're going to have more and more of those moments where you don't know what you should do. Where the circumstances that are around you are dictating that a change is needed. The circumstances that are around you are dictating that you need to do something. The circumstances that are around you are telling you that something is not right here or I need to make a move. I need to do this. I need to do that. You're going to see that happening in your life. And I say to you that you need to get to the point that you can pause for a moment. You can simply say, "Okay, Lord, this is what's happening. I need to talk to you, God. This is what's happening. This is what I think. This is what I feel. I'm not saying that you should argue with God, but what I am saying to you, you should be able to say to God, God, this is what I feel in my spirit, Lord. I feel I should do this because so-and-so-and-so doesn't seem to be happening. Lord, I, I think that, that I need to do this because so-and-so is before me. I've got three days to make a decision, Lord, but, and I think this is, you should be able to talk to God, sit down and openly talk to God. You, you've got to move where God is a, a theoretical thing out there that God is just so distant that I've got to go through a whole lot of religious, quote unquote, ceremony to talk to him and get to the point that you really, really believe that God is in the room with you and that you can talk to him. OK, you know, you see, and, and the, 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 the I almost want to say bad, but the troubling thing about it is that many Christians in life don't get to that point until their backs are really, really against the wall, until something in their lives are going terribly wrong. Do they actually get to the point where they can fall on their knees and cry out to God and say, God, I just need to talk to you. I don't know what to say to you, Lord, but this is what's happening. Lord, I feel so frustrated. I don't know what to do. When you can feel close enough to God and realize that he's in your room, you'll start to see see miraculous things happening in your life. As I said a couple of sermons ago, what not to move from simply being blessed to have miraculous things happening when the things in your life that are beyond your your furthest dreams of where something really I don't know if you've ever had something that seemed to be impossible in your life, something you were praying for. And it just but in your heart of hearts, deep down inside, you say, oh, man, this is going this is a stretch, man. How can this happen for me? But, Lord, this is what I need. This is what and it's just so far fetched to you that the time it seems impossible. And God comes through and delivers you, delivers you. Brings to pass that thing that you're praying for the most and having some concerns about. When you get to that point, you can talk to God openly and honestly and pour out your spirit. And you'll see those things happening in your life more and more. So that when things come before you, they don't seem to be that giant. They don't seem to be a Goliath of the problem. Of the problem. Simply ask God. James talks about wisdom. Go to the book of James. Praise the living God. Book of James. James 1. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
James 1, and we're going to start with verse number 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Underline that. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay? All right? You lack wisdom? Ask God. But then ask in faith with nothing wavering. Okay? Wavering is, you know, I've seen Christians, especially when you're in a large, large, large church and whatnot, when you're preaching, it's like, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and everybody's on fire, on fire. Because they're in agreement with what is being said from the pulpit. They're in agreement with that sermon. They've got the faith while they're there in church. But then when they leave the church that afternoon, Monday morning, when, every, when the, the, the fact of reality starts coming back at them and everything, all of a sudden that faith it starts dissipating. It starts wavering. You're going to have faith. You've got to have faith. You can't have a whole lot of faith while you're sitting in church and then come Monday morning, all of a sudden that faith disappears. It says that for he that faith, he that, uh, he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. He that, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay? So you've got to ask of God. You want to know what is, is, is your future, what your future holds in store for you. Lord, is this really you telling me this is the decision that I, make, that I need to make? God says, first of all, to ask. To ask him and then to have faith that he's going to answer you and that the answer he's going to to give you will be the best answer for you. You can't second guess God. You see, you can't second guess him. You got to bring yourself to the point where you say that, okay, Lord, I don't understand. What is it that's coming in my future? What is it you want me to do with this, Lord? You're telling me I feel in my spirit, God, that there's something that I need to do. You're telling me deep in here. I feel like there's something that you need to do, but that, that I need to do. But God, how shall I know? What is it? Well, first of all, ask. Ask. And then when he comes back at you, you've got to have faith. And if you don't know what to pray, simply ask God to show you to show you the way. All right, go to Psalm 143. 143. We have all of the tools right before us. That is not to say that you won't have trials and tribulations and difficult and challenging times because Jesus said that you shall have tribulation. He did say that. But there is a way that we, being, being Christians, unlike those that are non-believers or unbelievers, is that we have a way out. We have an answer when things come before us that are just so challenging. Jesus said you will have tribulations. They will think things will happen because we're still on this physical, this physical earth. But we as Christians have a way to get through that. Psalm uh, 143, verse number 8. Cause me, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee I do trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Okay? So in other words, in other words Lord, cause me to know where I should go, where I should walk. You have decisions before you. There's no reason for you to not be able to make a decision. First of all, if you're really, really trusting God and you're prepared, that, okay, Lord, I'm asking you, what is it that I need to do? What steps should I take? You know, and the interesting thing is that what we're talking about here doesn't limit itself to things. It doesn't limit itself to material possessions. It doesn't limit itself to anything that you can imagine. 
What we're talking about here in concept can apply to anything that is in your life. God doesn't say here, well, in Psalm 145, it's talking about your bank account. In Psalm 143, it's talking about a person. In so-and-so, so-and-so, it's talking about this. This, this concept applies to anything. A person, per, thing, place, whatever it is that you have to do. If there is a decision that you need to make, if there is some place that you need to go, I'm talking about spiritually, developmentally, and you're not sure what that is, you're simply to ask God, and he will show you. Okay? But the first place, the, 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 the only requirement for this the only prerequisite, remember when we were in school and you're going to look for classes, you know, in, in the catalog, it said prerequisite. Okay, you had to take 101 or whatever it was. The only prerequisite here for God is very, very fundamentally is that you believe that God is who he says he is. That's the big prerequisite. Believe that God is who he says he is. Not a concept. Not a may the force be with you floating around in the atmosphere someplace that God is who he says he is. Okay, and that he's powerful enough to know what your future is, to know where he wants you to be. You see, every single one of us, God has a place he wants us to be. Whole separate sermon, but everyone sitting here has a ministry. Whether it be preaching, whether it be prophesying, whether it be a ministry of helps. Everyone sitting here has a ministry. Everyone here has a purpose in life where we should be going through life um, I don't want to say replicating God. We should be going through life uh, 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 um, representing God, so to speak, so that we can glorify God in our lives by others seeing God in us and how we're carrying out our way, our lives. But you can't do that if you're shivering and hiding under the covers. You can't do that if you are afraid to go forward in life and do what God is calling you to do. You can't do that if when you have a major decision in your life that you're making that decision in yourself in absence of God. You can't do that if you're unsure about certain, and what you do is you flip a coin or, or run off to somebody and try to get a decision or, 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 or some guidance. God, what is the scripture that, that, that says, I will give you the Holy Spirit, and he shall teach you all things, not that any man can teach you, he shall teach you all things. We put too much faith in human beings. Now, God will use human human beings to bring about answers to us, okay? But your first, your, your first instinct, though, your, your first faith is in God. And the difference being is that when you are getting advice from a human being, you are praying that so-and-so will give me godly advice, okay? I said I'm not going to run into a bar and ask the first drunk sitting on a stool some complex, deep meaning of my life. Not at all. Okay, so you're hoping, I'm not saying that God God can use anybody, I'm not trying to put God in a box, but I'm saying that what I'm saying to you is that we should be relying on God first, not just man or, or anyone else to give, us, uh, to give us this advice, amen, or to guide us, all right? So we see there that, that our, um, if you don't know how to pray, simply ask him. You can always personalize and pray verses, verses such as, show me the way I should go, go for you to lift up, I lift up my soul. The primary way God commands us is through his word. Go to Second Timothy. The primary way that God commands us is through his word. Second Timothy chapter three. And let's go to... Um, Go to 11. 
persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, shall grow, become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Please underline. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Please underline that correction for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly, uh, thoroughly finished, truly furnished unto all good works. Going back to 16 again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Okay. It's for reproof and it's for correction. The word of God is also for correction. Okay. I can't stand up here and just preach all the good, smooth, rosy scriptures that are here. Sometimes the word of God is for correction. Sometimes we are going someplace in our lives where we are forgetting who God is and what we're supposed to be doing. And the word of God will indeed correct. We have to take that because the same way that you have your children, you love your children. They do something wrong. You correct them. You just don't let your children just go on and continue doing something wrong. You correct them the same way God corrects us because he loves us. And he says that in his word, I, I correct you. I chastise you because I love you. Okay, but the key words here that I want to get to is that all the word of God is by inspiration of God, meaning the Holy, the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. If scripture commands something of us, there's no need to hesitate and wonder if it's really God's will for us. If the scriptures commands for us to do something, there's no need for us to start wondering, is this God's will for us? He cares so much about us that he already gave a plain and simple and clear guidebook to life, the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 15 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So that means what is a lamp for your feet? A lamp is like a flashlight, if you will. Okay, my word will will provide guidance for where you need to go. And it's a light for your path. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Psalm 19.7. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Psalm 119.9. Likewise. Now listen to this and get this deep in your spirit. Likewise, God never, ever contradicts himself. Okay. God never, ever contradicts himself. You've heard the arguments. Well, you know, we don't go by the Old Testament or because, you know, we go by the New Testament. We don't do this. We only go by half the Bible. You know, the Old Testament contradicts the New Testament contradicts all these other philosophical reasons why they don't want to follow the word of God. God doesn't contradict himself. OK, so he'll never ask you to do something contrary to Scripture. OK, God will never ask you to do something contrary to Scripture. Why would that, that not happen? Because Scripture is what? Scripture is the word of who? God. So why would he ask you to do something that's contrary to his own word? We need to really immerse ourselves in the Bible so that we will know which actions meets God's standards. All right? If you don't immerse yourself, then how do you know what's meeting God's standards? Go to Joshua. Go to Joshua 1.8. I'm sure you know the scripture here. Joshua 1.8. 
praise the living God. Joshua 1, 8. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Then thou shalt have good success. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written within. How many of us have ever had a job, especially when you're new on the job, and you're hired and they take you to your workstation, to your office or whatever, and they say, okay, here's the office manual. Or here's your job description book. It outlines the things that you should do. And as you start out on your job, some things you may start, you may be doing by rote. You know, it's fairly easy for you to do. But then all of a sudden, it may become a part of that particular task, all of a sudden that you just can't figure out. Okay? What do you do? You go back to those, those directions. You go back to those written directions for instruction. Well, that's what the Bible is for us. Now, granted, sometimes you may ask a coworker. You may ask a coworker, okay? But do you go and ask a coworker that is totally unaffiliated with your department? Do you go ask a coworker that clearly would not know what your job is? No, not at all. So right away, the thing that you're trying to do is you're trying to go to the most knowledgeable source to figure out how to do that particular part of your task. Everything in life for us is, is a task, if you will. Everything in our life, anything you need answers to, answers for, is written there in the Bible. And this verse 8 is saying, the book of the, the, book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but shall, I shall meditate therein day and night. You need to meditate in the word of God, you know. You know after you go over that activity, I mean, that job description manual enough, then after a while you become to memorize it. And you know, at the drop of a penny, you know exactly what needs to do if the machine freezes or if so-and-so comes up on the computer or whatever. You know exactly what to do. So you don't set that manual aside. I mean, you keep it, you keep it in your heart, so to speak. Well, this is what we need to do with the Bible. And God here says that if you do that, it says, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then that you shall have good success. So you can't, you have to stay in the word of God if you want to know what it is that God wants you to do. John sixteen thirteen. Christians also have the Holy Spirit to discern what is or is not God's will for our lives. The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. You see, now this is the other thing here that we have to really get our heads and our hearts and our spirits around. If you believe that there is God, then you have to believe that there is Holy Spirit. OK, and, and, and you've got to, again, bring Holy Spirit from a thing, a, a, a non is not human, but 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 he is a person. He's one of the persons of the Godhead. You have to, to th- think of him as being real. This is why I so many times I really try to refrain from saying the Holy Spirit, because the minute we say the we kind of think of him subconsciously as a thing, as an object. But he's Holy Spirit. We don't say the God. We don't say the, we, we don't say, say the Son. We say Jesus. We call Jesus by name. We call God by name. But when it comes to Holy Spirit, we say the Holy Spirit. So you've got to believe that that Holy Spirit is there and that he can guide you into all truth. You want to know what the future holds for your life? You want to know where you're heading? You want to know whether or not you should do something? Then try praying and asking God's Holy Spirit to anoint you with it. Now listen very carefully to this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will either agitate or stir up your conscience if you're making a wrong decision. 
Sometimes Holy Spirit will stir up, agitate your conscience if you're making a wrong decision. Or he will give you peace, conversely. He will give you peace and encourage you when you're leaning toward the right direction. How many of us are in tune with our spirits to recognize the difference? You know, many people will say sometimes I've heard people say, oh, I got this pain back here, this pain back here. And someone will say to them, oh, well, that's that's only so and so. That's only so and so. And you ever hear somebody say, oh, I know my body. I know my body. If that pain is over there based on experience, I know my body. I know what it's telling me. Okay, but how many of us when we are not doing what Holy Spirit is telling us to do that we realize that? How many of us let that stirring that Holy Spirit is putting in there, uh, 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 don't, don't go there, don't make that decision, don't say that, don't do that. How many of us are aware of that stirring enough to turn away and so say, I better not go there? Oh, why not? How come I can uh, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Simple as that. And again, on the other hand, when the Holy Spirit is telling you, yes, this is what I want you to do, that you have this peace in your heart that this decision is the right thing to do, that you have a peace. And someone say to you, well, how do you know that this is what you want to know? Like, no, I don't know how to explain it, but I know that I know that I know that this is what I need to do. Many of us in this room have been there. Many of us have. When you've made that decision about something, you know in your spirit that this is the right thing to do. Well, this is where we need to get ourselves to be if you want to know where God is, is, or is taking you. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will agitate your spirit to let you know. The other thing for you to realize is that even if he doesn't intervene, in such noticeable ways, you can have confidence that he's always in charge. Okay? Even if the Holy Spirit doesn't always intervene, you can have confidence knowing that he is there. He's in charge. And sometimes, you need to understand this too, deep within your spirit. Sometimes, God, hear what I say, sometimes God will alter a situation without you even realizing that he's acted. Sometimes God will get out in front of you and he'll change and alter a situation without you even realizing that he's acted. The Lord will guide you always from Isaiah 58, uh, Isaiah 58, verse 11. The guy, God will guide you always. Sometimes God will get in your life and he will make things happen in spite of you. Sometimes God will let you know. Maybe a day later, maybe a week, a month, a year, several years later on, you'll see where God will let you know that that's why so-and-so happened, because God jumped in there and did something. God can do that in a few ways. God can do that sometimes when you're just being so doggone stubborn. He wants something done in your life that he'll just take a um, sovereign authority over your life and make it happen and do some things. And then you say, oh, boy, thank God that that did happen. And you don't realize it, but that's how God will act. Okay, so we have to get to the point then that that just we just know that God is in is in charge. You have to get to the point that you know God and you trust him enough. And when you're praying to him for an answer or for some direction, you have to get to the point that you know that you know that you know that this is what God is telling you to do. This is God telling you to do this or not to do this and then trust him for the outcome. Because if it's God, it's going to be a positive thing. If God is calling you to take a leap of faith, be encouraged by his presence. And remember some of these scriptures. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Matter of fact, why don't we just go there real quick and, and, and just underline that in your Bible so that you have that there. I mean, that's a scripture, eight and nine of scriptures I have underlined in every single Bible that I own because it's one of the greatest ones, scriptures that I've recalled doing. That I remember, and time to time, when things get difficult, I still go back and I read these verses. 
Okay? Have not I, verse number nine, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The other scripture is to remember, and remember, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. That's in 1 Peter 5, 7. You've got something going on in your life, cast it upon God. You, you, you know, and you can actually pray that when you're praying in the morning or noon or whatever it is. You say, Lord God, I've got this thing, I'm worried about this. And if you're worried about something, it's a care. It's a care. Okay, we all remember the children's uh, uh, story of uh, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, that big knapsack that he was carrying up his back, and it got bigger and bigger. And so, well, cast that upon God. You'd be surprised how you will physically feel better by just knowing. You know, the, the, the biggest thing that weighs us down a lot of times is us trying to figure something out. If you can take the burden off yourself and give it to God and just say, well, God, you said that you care for me. So, Lord, I'm carrying this care, this burden. So I'm casting it upon you, Lord. Lord, you figure it out. OK, you figure it out. Give up the responsibility of trying to figure it out. The only responsibility that you have is that when God gives you an answer that you follow it through. You know, it's only your, your responsibility. You're not God. You're not God. If you're really at an impasse for something, dealing with a thing, a, a, a process, a person, or whatever it is that's going, if you're really at an impasse and you can't figure it out, then stop trying to figure it out. Okay? You have to get to, point, to the point as a child of God that you have someone greater than you that is over you, that loves you, and wants to take your burdens and guide you. All you have to do is sit back and say, Lord, show me where it is you want me to, to go or to do. Cast all your cares upon him. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. All right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That first part, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't mean trust in the Lord with just, a, just you know, a part of what's going on with you. Trust in him with all your heart. And don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Right? Because I tell you, nine out of ten, probably maybe even 99.9% of the time, when you lean on your own own understanding, are you going to get it right? You, you, can't, or you can't just get it right. You need to, need to let God guide you on anything that's important. And then lastly, listen for that still, small voice of God in your spirit. The way to know where your life is going is not through divination or some other ungodly manner, but through God himself. He knows what's in store for you, for your life. Way better, way better, way better than you do. He knows, he knows what's going on. He knows the needs, he knows the needs, the desires, you know. The funny thing about it, too, is that if we're thinking about where am I going in my future, uh, be it something with your career, you know, do you want to make a career change or, 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 or whatever. Um, from the foundation, before the foundation of the earth, God knew you. Every single person was put here for a purpose. Mussolini was put here for a purpose. Hitler was put here for a purpose. You can go through every single dastardly person in history. That person had a purpose. It's what they chose to do along their life's path. It's what they chose to do along their life's path. Every single one of them could have chosen to go a different direction. God has a purpose for you. So now all of a sudden I've been toiling and doing this for so many years, for all of my life or whatever, and now I want to go in this direction, and God has a plan for that. How do I get to that direction? How do I get there? You can't do that by yourself. You cannot. Because rest assured, the minute you start going doing something out of the will of God, out of God's will, 
Don't think them little imps that are, that are around tonight. Speaking of imps, if you can believe in God, everyone here said that they did. Everyone believes in the Holy Spirit. God is a spirit. So is the Holy Spirit a spirit. You have to believe the fact that other spirits exist. God does. says it in the Bible. So the, other, the, other, the, other little, the reason why I said in the scriptures in, back in Deuteronomy about not dealing with familiar spirits, again, sermon unto itself, but there are indeed familiar spirits around, and they know what your plans are. They know what you're liking to do. You get up and you start following some plan that is not in line with God's word. Those familiar spirits all of a sudden take your actions, boy, and turn it into something really dastardly. Something that's something that could wind out, wind up being quite nasty, only because of the fact that you are not believing enough that God is who he says he is, and that what his word says, and that you need to be doing things in line with his will. So if you're planning any kind of a change like that, anything that you may be thinking about doing, any decisions that you have to make at all, make sure that you've got God in the picture. Make sure that he's guiding you. Okay? And I tell you that um, I've said a couple of times that 2019 is going to hold some hold some challenges uh, for all of us. Not only here, everyone here in this room, but also those in the body of Christ, period. 2019 is going to be a changing and a challenging year that we really need to make sure we're in line with with the with the uh, uh, will of God. We see that happening already. We see some of those changes finding its way right into the church. And how the church is being used to bring about, to bring about our, um, Satan's pernicious ways. He's an insidious character, he is, and he's trying to get right in, in, in the church there to have the church orchestrate and bring about some of his ways under the guise of other things. So we need to be smart enough, we need to be Holy Spirit sharp enough to realize where the devil is at work and where something is of God really, and where it's something that God would want to have us do. There's a lot at stake, brothers and sisters, a lot at stake, not only for you as individuals, but also as the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So how do I know what God really wants me to do? It's very, very simple. Simply to seek his face, to ask him, Lord, what is your will for me? Where would you have me to go? And then trust him. Believe in him. Believe that he is going to bring you to where he wants you to be. And if you are where he wants you to be, then rest assured you'll be doing the right thing. Praise God. Praise God. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.